Uh, for the rest of us, I know this being the first Sunday of the new year, and, and I like to keep in front of us at this time of the year, every year, honestly, and I think I've done this pretty consistently, and I'll like to do it again, is to go back and look at the Great Commission. Uh, we, are addressed, we can quickly address that question, why are you here on this planet? Well, this speaks to that. So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And I want to just set before you again that uh, as we work through the great commandments, we learn that we are a set-apart people. Uh, we're set apart because we are followers. We love the Lord God. We want to learn what it means to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we saw that in the first four commandments. That's what Jesus is referring to when He answers this way. Uh, as when, the, when He was posed the question, what is the greatest commandment? And the last six speak to how do we love our neighbor? How do I love my neighbor as myself? And so we work through the great commandments. We learned uh, once again, as we see throughout Scripture, that we are set-apart people, that we're different. I know we can make some jokes there. We know, yeah, we're different, but that's not what I'm getting at. We're different because we have picked up a cross and we're following after our Savior. We're different because we are working out our, our salvation, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, our sanctification because we realize what the Savior has done. We realize that this is not our home and that he loves us, not just today, not just tomorrow, but he will love us eternally because his love is his attribute. And he will love all those who are in Christ Jesus. And while we are here and we acknowledge those things, and while the Lord has given us breath, we want others to come and to know this joy. So we as we'll see in this passage, are a set-apart people. We're also a great commissioned people. You and I have a responsibility uh, to speak, uh, to go. This time of year, you know, as, as 2023 has ended and, and some of you are assessing goals or reassessing goals or establishing goals, whatever it might be, there's one reality that I want to just put upon you is uh, God's truth never changes. Uh, His truth is constant and his message must be communicated. And so our drive as Christians is to say, I am a, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am uh, sanctified in him. He has set me apart. He has blessed me uh, with uh, spiritual gifts and a calling in that sense to be that voice and to, to live that life and to communicate Christ Jesus the best of my abilities with love. Why? Because I am redeemed. I am a set-apart person. And just as you, we are set apart people. Now this might be, oh great, the pastor's going on this thing, I'm going to feel guilty later. I don't want to guilt you at all. That should never be our motivation for sharing Jesus. I believe that if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it becomes a delight and a joy to make him known. If you're feeling guilt this morning, there's something else going on. Yes, there will be awkward moments Yes, there'll be moments where you feel unsure of yourself, but that's okay because there is a powerful promise given to us in this passage. And even though we know our Lord is omnipresent and ever-present with us, even though David can cite in the, in the Psalms, you are near to those who call out, Jesus himself tells you, I will be with you. That's pretty good. I don't know what beats that, and Jesus looking in your eyes saying, I will be with you. And we know he's with us, yet 
to hear him say it. So this is the challenge, right? We're going to be set apart people. Our evangelism might be awkward at times, but we're not going to yield or quit. We might be rejected. We might be called names as they did Paul, who is this babbler, right? So just know in that moment, if you get called a babbler, you've got a moment where you can bump knuckles with, with Paul in eternity, right? So at least I got that one, Paul, right? Uh, you're in good company. This is who we are. And the point I want to drive is this is truly who we are. We are set apart. This is who we are, not what we do. It's who we are. There was a story of a soldier in um, Alexander the Great's army, and he was going to be court-martialed for deserting. And Alexander the Great was there, and they had asked him, this soldier, what is your name? He responded and said, my name is Alexander, to which Alexander the Great responded to this soldier and said, you need to change your name or mend your manners. And I think sometimes we need to realize as Christians what that name means. He has so redeemed you. You're not an accident, you're not a throwaway, you're not a joke, whatever the world might say, he has redeemed you. So Matthew 28, I'm going to read verses 19 and 20, just the last two here, and Jesus says this, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Let's offer a brief prayer. Father, as we look at your word this morning, we ask that your spirit be with us, your spirit challenge us and grow us. Let us realize, Lord, that this calling is not to some redeemed saints. It is a call to all redeemed saints. I, Lord, like every Christian, we are Christians. We are called to this. So in the sphere of our influence, Lord, put a burden in our heart for those who are lost. Father, for those moments where we might feel fear in our evangelism, we ask, God, you would replace it with confidence. Christ is with me. So let us lean upon who you are and the truths of your word and let your word shine. And Father, bless this. I pray each, each, each heart, each soul this morning would hear your words, not my own. So please get me out of the way. And let us be those, Lord, let us be those who love Jesus more than our lives, that our loyalty rests squarely with you and nowhere else as we have learned of the first commandment. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our mission, you'll see it every Sunday morning, is up on the screens. I don't think it's there now. No, it's not there now. We've moved on. But uh, during the welcome time, it will say to see non-believing people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to be those who see those who are outside of Jesus come to know Jesus and become committed followers. And what we mean by that is that they're going to continue to follow and learn and mature and develop. Um, this might be a shocker to some of you, but you're not perfect. I'm going to let that set there for a moment. Some of you need to just resonate on that. 
You're not perfect. You don't know it all. Nor do I. While we are breathing, and we see this throughout Scripture, glory happens, right? It ends when we get to heaven. Until then, we are in process. We are growing. And truly, our knowledge of the gospel is to be growing. Our knowledge of Jesus, our confidence as we share, will be growing the more we do these things. And so we come. This is our mission. We, we want to be those who are active in this, and we don't want to take a day off from it. As I mentioned earlier, God's truth is constant. It never changes. So uh, we are to be those who speak truth. An opportunity presents itself. Put your foot in there, right? Get in there and speak. And this is desperately needed today. There are, uh, I believe the stat is probably higher than this, but there are 55% of Americans who are 35 and younger. Some of you are like, yeah, I was 35 once. 35 and younger, uh, today do not believe in the idea of absolute truth. Meaning there is a God who created, there is truth outside of myself. Outside there is truth. They believe uh, in subjective truth, and this is where you'll see countless problems in our society, because if God is not making the truth or communicating his truth, well then there's somebody else uh, in their own mind, which is typically self, dictating what is and what is not truth. That's kind of scary as you think about people 35 and younger kind of running with their own truth, what they make up in their own mind. So what do we see from this? We see people are more depressed. Uh, we see people wrestling with this. They come to the conclusion, which if there's no absolute truth... Um, there is no meaning to life. This is why we see in many secular universities on lectures about, psych, uh, about the meaning of life in their psycho psychology classes, there is uh, always a preference to some of those that suicide is not an option. When you're, excuse me, philosophy, not psychology, maybe psychology too, but philosophy classes. Why is that? Because if there's no objective truth and all you're left with is subjective truth, life is, that's the logical inroad. So people are left with life is meaningless. They turn to what? Alcohol, drugs, suicide, depression, anxiety. We have disorders around the board. We have uh, people who, who don't understand their own sexual identity. I don't know if I'm a man or a girl or what my gender is anymore. They, they can't even reason those things out. We laugh at some of this, but this is our world. We see the effects, the lack of the proclamation of truth. So this responsibility for you, this is the, the climate in which the Lord has said, here's where what's going on, here's where I'm going to send you. This is your world, your culture, it is mine as well. But just so you know, there's never a moment in Scripture that deviates from the fact of the truth and the truth being proclaimed. The Bible doesn't say, hey, the culture is pretty rough out there. Now, definitely there's, there's discernment, but the Bible doesn't say, it's rough out there, so keep your mouth closed. It does not do that. We know that to be true. The, the gospel speak, right, of the resurrection of Jesus. For this purpose, what? To make him known. 
Uh, the words here are not just for, for the apostles, as some like to say. Well, that was just for those there when Jesus wrote that. No, he wrote it for everyone. The, the baton, if you will, has been passed to us. Someone before you be, who uh, witnessed to you or led you to Christ had that baton, if you will, in their hand. And they, in essence, gave it to you. It is now your responsibility to carry it forward. If that was true, if it was just for those who listened to Jesus, well, then how are there believers today? The message must be preached. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So this has authority. Jesus gives great authority here. Uh, this is different than uh, those in, in Israel, in the land, uh, in the Holy Land, when, when the Jews, they had, they had nothing with expanding, right, or witnessing or evangelizing. In the Old Testament, we see those who are uh, engrafted into Israel, but here in this passage, we see a, a messianic mission. Jesus has been preparing them. Uh, even back to Isaiah has been saying it. The gospel is going to the Gentiles, which is you and I. So this is the messianic launch, if you will. We are, as followers of Jesus Christ, make this known. We are disciples of Jesus. We've come to believe on Jesus. We've been changed by Jesus. We have been redeemed. We have seen the chains fall off our hands and our, and our ankles, right, from being bound to sin. He has redeemed a wretch such as I and you. Thus, there is a work to be done. There is a message to be communicated. And this continues on and on and on. Now, it sounds like a lot. Some of you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this, I don't know if I can do this. Well, I'm just going to answer, I'm just going to inject into your thinking right there that God didn't mess up on redeeming you. He's redeemed you for a purpose. And you have a voice, you have a talent, he's placed you right where he wants you to be. And for most of us, that's here in Atwater, USA. Why are we here? Why are we in Merced, Atwater, Winton? Why are we here? Proclaim the goodness of our Lord. So this leads to my first point. The Great Commission is, and this might sound like a no-brainer, it is gospel proclamation. This is a moment, I'll be honest with you, as you read this, when Jesus says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's pretty clear to me. I don't know how you could just take that and, and not do this, especially when he writes in the imperative mood. He is commanding us, you and I, we are to go. Uh, we are to go and do something. We are to go and make disciples. And disciples doesn't just mean they come to believe on the Lord Jesus. That's part of it. But he tells us to teach them all that he's commanded. There's a process here. And it's amazing to me that many churches who just won't get around to, to proclaiming the gospel, how they can feel okay with thinking they're fulfilling the Great Commission, which I, what I just said there is they're not. The gospel is God's truth. The reality is what you win them with is what you will win them to. If a pastor doesn't preach about sin and repentance, yet there is some type of fuzzy, warm love with Jesus, and they have some type of fuzzy, warm love with, with Jesus, whoever that is, 
but there's no repentance. That person is not in Christ Jesus. They have been won to something else, which I will argue that that is some other religion. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Our Lord has told us, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just any Jesus, but the one who was born in Bethlehem. The one who was raised in Nazareth. The one who was sinless, lived under the law. The one that went to the cross. The one that came out of the grave. That Jesus. And none other. This is, right, vital for us. We must get the gospel right. It's gospel proclamation. Uh, we see this in believers, and I believe I see it in you, your love for the word. Uh, Dr. Robert Gonzalez says, true devotion to the person of Christ will always manifest itself in true devotion to the word of Christ. Why? Because they are his words. Jesus is revealed in his word. If we have no love for his word, what is that revealed to you? You have no love for Christ. So this is the motive. We want to communicate God's truth. We want to glorify God by living it. We'll live out the great commandments we just worked through. We want to work out our salvation, our sanctification. We want to continue moving forward. You're not perfect. You're going to struggle we're going to wrestle with sin that easily entangles us. We're going, to have, uh, we're going to be broken and mournful over our sin because it trips us up. That's the pursuit. That's the direction. And I'll mention that a little bit later because the enemy will try to use that to cripple your evangelism. But the gospel here is good news. Think about it. God so created the world. He so loved this world. He goes to action. Our God is a missional God. We are redeemed out of this world because God has so moved. And when those come who are outside of Christ come to believe, God is glorified. His truth we see this. I mean, Jesus is a powerful, right? He is the example, if you will, of, of proclaiming the gospel. He unfolded it for us. He communicated correctly. He clarified the mistakes for us. And we see this uh, throughout the gospels. We see this drive. And even in the book of Acts, uh, here we have, we have read in Matthew, go and make. We see that. Matthew is telling us, go and do this. Mark says it like this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, Mark 16. Uh, Luke says it like this in Luke 4, 24, 46 through 48. Uh, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the, dead, uh, from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses to these things. And Jesus said in John 20, 21, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And of course, at the formation of the church, Acts 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth that includes Atwater, USA, to which we said, Amen. Amen. 
But this was Paul's ministry. It's not just in the Gospels and in the beginning of the church in Acts. We see Paul's desire in Romans 1, 15 through 16. So for my part, I am eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the Gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also for the Greek. So we could make a little moment here and say, if we're ashamed of the gospel, what are we saying? We're not going to preach it or point people to it. Are we ashamed of it? Paul will go on and he'll say in 1 Thessalonians 2, 2, but after he had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. Let's say today, we need to be those people who've got some of Paul's grit. Let's speak. Let's be okay with the opposition. We have have to expect that. It's a spiritual war we're entering into. So what do we need, right? This morning, I just want to impress upon you, as far as you're mapping out your new year, here's our things you need to put on it. I need to get a better understanding, right, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get a better understanding so I can, I can clearly articulate it, the best that I can to articulate these things. So under that, you might mind a sub-point and say, I need to be connected to God. I need to be praying and prayed up in the Lord. I need to be reading His Word. I mean, Paul asked for prayer on his behalf for boldness. Are you crying out, Lord, help me in my boldness, Help me in my proclamation. If Paul is doing that, I think it's good for us. Lord, help me. I don't know if you've ever prayed that. If you ever had a moment where you're just like, Lord, help me. Or am I the only one? I pray that often. But Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And pray on my behalf as he calls others. That utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, now I just want to say all of what Paul did, he did it in love. We can be bold and be loving. Absolutely. So on my list of this new year, I need to have a, just a greater connecting with the Lord, a greater a prayer in the Lord, a greater understanding of the gospel. I need to get my mind around uh, what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. I, I know you know this. Satan loves to muddy the waters, doesn't he? It's like he's got a spoon, a wooden spoon that just stirs up the waters and people can't see clearly of who is the right Jesus. We see this an example of the Judaizers in Galatia. Right? You, yeah, yeah, you need Jesus. That's good. You also need to be circumcised. Let's add some things to this. Paul called this a different gospel, which is not a gospel. Make note of that in Galatians 1, 6-9. He is saying this is a different religion. If you think it's Christ plus some works, he's saying that is a different religion. That is not Christianity. J.C. Ryle said, since Satan cannot destroy the gospel, it's true, he cannot destroy the gospel, 
He has too often neutralized its usefulness by addition, subtraction, or substitution. What were the Judaizers doing? They were adding to the gospel. Let's add some works in there. We must understand what the gospel is because this is happening today. We don't see Judaizers going around, but we do see things such as the prosperity gospel. Devoid of any repentance and believing on Jesus, it's focused on what? Prosperity. Here's how you get it. And more importantly, here's how you make me prosper. We see the self-help gospel. Right? You got to do your share or your part or some of it. Or we're promised some type of happy blessing. We just come to Jesus. We, we see the don't change gospel. God loves you just the way you are so he can love you and you can be the same without any repentance of sin. Without any sanctification. Without any growing in holiness. Which the Bible over and over speaks to. We see a legalistic gospel. Those who like to add a bunch of rules. Right? If you do this, that's what the Judaizers were hinting at. There's other things, other parts of the law. We see the progressive Christianity gospel. It's popular today. Uh, Jesus is just a moral example in which to follow. He is not the Son of God. You don't have to repent. You don't have to believe on Him. You just have to be good. And they'll tell you that. But they don't define what is good. Left up to your own imagination. Live your life how you want. Have your cake. Eat it too. You're good. The problem, my friend, is that these people who have placed their trust in these things are going to end their life standing before that judgment seat and they are not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They're going to hear words, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. This is why we must get the gospel straight. God so loved this world, he sends his son into it. Because Adam broke the original covenant, God must fix our side of the covenant. Jesus comes and he lives the sinless life. He is, he is tempted as Adam was tempted. But he was sinless. And he goes to the cross in our place. Just as Adam was the first covenant representative where sin enters into the world, Jesus becomes the second Adam, as Paul tells him in Corinthians. He becomes the better Adam. And all those who are in Christ Jesus now have imputed, through prayer and repentance, have imputed their sin to Jesus, have him, and his perfect righteousness has been imputed to, to us, to you. This is the only way. There's no works on this planet you could do even though many will tell you that, work your way there, you cannot overcome your sin. See, at the end of our lives, every single one of us will stand. We'll stand in front of that judgment seat. And we either stand there going, look at my life, trusting in my works, trusting what I have done, or we will point to Jesus, Christ and Him alone. So we want to be those who understand the gospel, understand how the enemy likes to muddy the waters, understand where those faults and those things come in. This year, maybe on your list, I'm going to grow in my understanding of the gospel, what it is and what it is not. And the second thing I would put in front of you is that, that you would have this conviction that you will not share the gospel in some type of a prejudiced way. 
that you'll begin to see every soul that you come in contact with bears the image of God and their greatest need if they are outside of Jesus Christ is to be reconciled to their creator. We're going to overlook skin color. We're going to overlook whether they are poor or rich. We're going to overlook language the best that we can, but we're going to minister by the power of the Holy Spirit. The thief on the cross is a powerful illustration for us. How many of you would have simply wrote a person like that who acknowledges he is being, uh, he is being executed for, for what he has done? He's, he's acknowledging, I am receiving uh, the bear, the, the, what, for my crimes what is necessary. How many of us would simply say, well, well, there's no hope for that guy? We're talking about 11th hour salvation. How fortunate that he was nailed to a cross next to, to our Savior. We see the love of Christ, he repents. Jesus says, you'll be with me. Let us have those eyes. See, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes. What a promise. Let's preach his word. Let's share scripture. This is what the Holy Spirit uses. Let's share it. They might come to believe. And see, Jesus has purchased, has purchased redeemed souls from every tribe and tongue and people and nations we see in Revelation 5. And it's all those from different tribes and nations and people who are going to sing together salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb all around this globe. And we're a part of this. So under your list, I want you to, to just put on that New Year's. I'm going to grow in the clarity of the gospel. I'm going to share it without uh, prejudice, and I'm going to do this with love. Now, here's that moment where you can write in, how do I love God, the first four commandments? How do I love my neighbor, the last six commandments? And I'm going to share, right? I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you're not perfect, we're going to trip over this. We're going to struggle at times. We're going to not have the answer to some kind of question. I've got asked questions where I just have no idea. I don't even know where to begin with that question. You get some ones that are out there. That's okay. Let's meet again. Give me a moment. But here's what I want to just impress upon you here is that the enemy is going to use this in your life. It's going to be a roadblock to you. You don't know the answer to that. You don't know much of anything. Look at your own life. Look at that train wreck. You can't speak to these people. Who do you think you are? Some of us are hearing that even now. You're thinking, I can't share this. Look at my life. You know what your life shouts when you've come to Christ? Shouts the power of the gospel of Jesus. But just by way of encouraging you, I want to remind you who the Lord used. Remember Peter? 
denied him. Look at some of our Old Old Testament heroes. Abraham, I'm too old, can't use me. God built a nation on him. Jacob was a liar. Moses, you can't use me, I stutter. You notice he didn't add the murderer part. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah ran from God. John the Baptist ate bugs. Right? We've got to put that in there. That's a little different. The disciples couldn't stay awake while he was praying. Just give me one hour where you pray with me. So what I want to impress upon you is you're not redeemed by accident. No one's perfect. And yes, your life might be a train wreck right now. I point you to Jesus. Do you see the whiteboard? Do you see the train wreck on that whiteboard and after repentance, do you not see it cleansed? Move us to humility. Because he can do that with others. So this is the Great Commission. That's my first point. The next two will go quicker. It is gospel proclamation. Let's get it right. and Let's not be shy about it. Let's not give excuses for it. Let's communicate it. Second point, the Great Commission is to make disciples. What does that mean? To make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. There's an act that goes with it in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then teaching to observe all that I've commanded you. So making disciples is to bring them into repentance, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to baptize them. They have a testimony. They're part of the community of the visible church. And to see them trained up, taught up, right, in what Jesus has commanded. This is the Great Commission. It's not just to make converts. So all the seeker-sensitive churches out there are missing half of the Great Commission right now. You're to train them. You're to teach them all that he has commanded Right? We're not to just simply evangelize and get them across the line. So in your personal evangelism, if you're meeting with someone and, and they come to believe, don't leave them alone. Continue to walk with them. Continue to help them in their questions and encourage questions as they study, especially as you meet with them and talk about Bible reading and the things they're coming across that's part of, of revealing and, and them learning. And don't be ashamed if you, if you come across things you don't know. Make sure they're never ashamed of not knowing things because every single one of us who came to believe, we started there. I want to rejoice with the angels, not feel guilty because we don't know enough stuff. We're going to continue to move forward. The pastor, me, our elders are accessible to you. Right, utilize them, help them, right, or, or let us help you rather in, in speaking and training. If you come across things, so in our in our process of making disciples, we need to be a model and show them the love of God, show them how to glorify God. That's part of your your process. We come to trust Jesus. We begin to have rights. What is the number one? We always see this on new believers. There's a fervency. There's a love. Some of us older saints are like, oh, I've lost some of that somewhere along the line. They have a love for Jesus. Point them in the right direction. Realize that 
that as a follower of Jesus, we want to be pleasing as his redeemed child. We want to grow in that love for them. We want to, we want to learn to hate and mourn over sin. Remember Jesus told us, he told the disciples, he spoke to us that we must love him more. He who doesn't hate his families or father and mother. What is Jesus saying? There's no loyalties. He's speaking to the first commandment. We want to grow in our sanctification. We want to set Jesus, our eyes upon him. Model that for them as you meet with them. Help them grow in that area. Invest time in them and your resources to build them up. Again, don't just lead them to to, uh, the foot of the cross and then go do something else. They're going to have a lot of questions. Pour your resources. Pour your time into them. Invite them over. Take them to coffee. Get them to a small group. Whatever it must be. But bear with them. Walk with them. John Owen said, They that love God would have him be all that he is as he is and nothing else and would be themselves like him. They're growing. Invest in them. So the commission is this, right? Not just bring them to Calvary, but make disciples. Don't leave them at the cross. Grab them by the hand and walk them forward. So we see it, right? The Great Commission. I'll move on to my last point here. The Great Commission is gospel proclamation. You're to make disciples. And my last point is help others make disciples. I kind of imagine the, uh, just inviting someone. If you've poured time and resources into them, they've come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you invite them to service. They come to church. They're excited about that, but they, be, they meet a bunch of grumpy people. That would just damage. And can you imagine afterwards taking them to lunch? Yes, there should be the joy that you're explaining it, the joy of the Spirit. It's just a rough Sunday, you know, whatever it might be. See, I've, I've mentioned many times the Christian, the object of our life is Christ, and there is joy even despite difficulty. Joy might be moments where tears are going down your face. You know there is one in which is promised to you. He will hold your life in his hand and he will not let you go. So as we come to church, as we're those who, who are full of God's spirit, we should be inviting and loving. As you meet other people, we shouldn't have that reaction or, or some type of put off thing. I know we're not perfect. But this is the follow-through. There should be a moment where they come to God's church and they see a bunch of different people. Some of us are different people, but we're different people coming together with different backgrounds and different stories, and yet worshiping in unity because of God's Spirit. And they say, who are these people? And we begin to say... I'm just like you. I'm a great sinner. I've come to know the great Savior. And that grace that you're so uh, thankful for is the same grace I am thankful for. 
Just as Jesus called you to repentance, he called me to repentance. And see, as we're working with disciples, we bring them to church. We utilize, we should be able to utilize the resources of our other brothers and sisters who attend Faith Community Bible Church. You might be witnessing to a person who's going through some type of unique struggle, and because you've shared your life with others in the body of Christ, you know another person uh, who knows that struggle. The Lord has done a great work in their lives, and so that Sunday you bring them and you connect them. I mean, shouldn't we be that church where we are those who say, let me tell you what my Savior's done. Let me tell you what my Savior's done. Almost, almost should be the words off our lips at all times. That should be our culture, right? We understand God's grace. We have grace for one another. Grace doesn't overlook sin. Grace challenges it. Brings us to the cross. We are those who are redeemed, and I want to assist my brothers and sisters any way that I can to help those that you're witnessing to as you get them to church, as you nudge them, if you've been working with them, then I am, I am on your side. I will be that one who says, let me tell you what Christ has done for me. So don't be ashamed, brothers, sisters, of what you don't know. Don't let that keep you from learning. That's on your list. I'm going to grow in the gospel this year. Don't be afraid of growing in your theology and learning bigger words maybe or new words out of Scripture. Challenge your presuppositions. Holy Spirit is not going to lead you away from, from the Bible. On that list you should have, I'm going to be prepared to share my life. I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to be okay with, with sharing with those the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sad of my life so that they would realize what the Lord has walked me through. We might be those who say, yes, I was in the fire, but he was with me there. I'm going to share what I've learned and what I'm currently learning. I'm going to open up God's word and point him to places and passages. I'm going to say, you know what, next time before we meet, why don't you read over this? I'll read over it too, these uh, passages of scripture, and we'll dig into them. Realize that others need the same amazing grace that you need. Share your walk with Christ. You were not saved by coincidence or accident, but on purpose. God is with us to fulfill our responsibility. The resources here, the church, right? Gospel preaching, we believe in that. If the gospel is not preached, you better be speaking to it. Pastor, fix that. We want to see people get connected to small groups. Sunday morning with Dr. Bob starting this Sunday. Men's this Saturday. Women's on Wednesday morning. Students will be starting up here shortly on Sunday afternoon. Our children's ministry. We need helpers in all these areas. Come, serve. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. 
And I believe, and I have this confidence, and I've said this before, that everything we need to fulfill the Great Commission here, all the spiritual gifts necessary are already here. We just need to be what God has made us to be. We are not going to be those who will change our name. We might be those who mend our manners. We are Christians. We stand with Christ. We realize that everyone gets judged. That's how our world operates. So let us be those who get judged for our convictions and what we believe in. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. Judge me for it. I believe Christ has called us to make disciples. I want you to know the same joy in Jesus Christ that I do. Judge me for it. I'm going to assist and use my gifts to help other brothers and sisters in the family make disciples. I'm going to spend the rest of my days teaching and preaching his word as the Lord gives me breath. Why? I believe it. Judge me for it. See, this is the wonderful thing. We have the Lord with us. We have the Lord's promise. We have the challenge. Do you, do you take him at his word? Do you believe Jesus is with you? Or are you questioning that? I just want to simply point out to you that as Matthew began his, his gospel, he called Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. He ends his gospel with the same pronouncement. But now it's coming from Jesus. I will be with you. I read these verses last Sunday, or maybe the Sunday back. I'm not sure we did. Uh, I read from Isaiah 9. Listen to this. It talks about Emmanuel. For a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. And the government is on his shoulders. His name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's who he is. So in your evangelism, in your moments of conversation your moments of pointing to truth when Jesus says I will be with you this this king the king of kings the lord of lords the, the central figure of all of scripture he is the one who is with you let's pray father we thank you for this challenge this command rather that you've placed upon each and every one of us. Lord, you have redeemed us and saved us in Christ Jesus, but not simply to, to be passive or to sit on our hands, to be inactive in any way, and yet you teach us throughout your word the kind of disciples, the kind of slaves you desire. You desire that we would be vigilant, looking, and you desire that we be diligent, serving, 
utilizing the talents and gifts you've given us. You tell us in Matthew's gospel that when you return, blessed are those slaves who are found doing these things. So Lord, I pray that you would lead us that way. Let us realize that our our, our lives and the redemption of our lives is to share and to model the redemption that you have brought about. This is not our home. We're traveling through, but for the days that you have given us, the breath you've extended, the free gift in which you've given to us, let us be those who point others to Jesus. Let this be on us. The sphere of influence which you've placed us, those souls, Lord, that we interact with that need you, let us have those moments, God, open those moments to us to say there is a better way, there is actually only one way. It is Christ and Him alone. Let us not, Lord, when those moments come, feel awkward or uh, fearful. But Lord, as Paul prayed, I pray that we would share that prayer, make us bold. Let us have a right fear of you and not man. And Lord, if the enemy comes and tries to put roadblocks, which we know he will, he hates the gospel, he would much rather us be quiet. I pray, Lord, that we would not mirror him. We would mirror you and speak truth. Lord, it's not our job, we know, to save anyone, but it is our job to witness to you who is the Savior. So, Lord, lead us that way. Fill us with your Spirit. Let us grow and trust in you. Let us have an answer for the hope that lies within us, and let us do that with love. Because just as you have set us apart, we have, as Peter says, we have sanctified the Lord Jesus. Our allegiance and our loyalty lies with you. Let us, Lord, live that way. We pray this in the wonderful and awesome name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.